You are listening to the 12 Stone Podcast. For more information on our eight locations or service times, please visit 12stone.com. Now enjoy Pastor Kevin Myers as he delivers God's Next and New, Part 2. For centuries, the church has been a place where we are invited to remember. To remember that we're part of a bigger story. To remember that the hurt and pain and disappointment and loneliness is all temporary. To remember that even in the middle of a broken world, that there is a divine healer, one who has pieced together broken relationships and has mended broken hearts. We remember our hope that not only was life given for us, but also life was given to us because the tomb is empty. And we are fired up for Easter. Jesus is the only one who died for our sake and the only one who left an empty tomb. Aren't we grateful to him? There is none like him. None like him. And we are going to celebrate Jesus and people are going to come to faith next weekend and that's going to be their new spiritual birthday and oh my goodness what we get to do together. But today, today... If you had to turn to the person next to you across all the campuses, even if you're online, if you had to turn to the person next to you and share one of those great stories that happened, uh, that's happened in your family or maybe that's happened in our church family, because families have great stories that they share together, what story would you share? I, I, could, I could share a story of, of, of running 16 and a half miles, the first and only time I've ever done it. And Mar- Marcia did it with me. Or I could tell the, the, the story of us, the, the, the million-dollar miracle we had as a church. So I'll, I'll get back to that. But welcome, welcome to part two, part what, everybody? Two of a three-part vision series. Now, we, we, we've had to make it three parts, where God is helping us unpack our, 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 our kind of who we are, the who, and, and really it sits inside the why. So I put in your notes kind of this why, what, and how. In fact, if you miss, listen, if you miss March 24th, you miss just a, a supernatural weekend. You've got to go back and listen to that. God has spoken into 12 stone with a clear, crisp why. And it's because of Jesus. In fact, I, I, I don't know if you're ready to rant something, but, but I'm going to say why three times. And across the campuses, even online, even if you're driving in the car, you're going to say, because of Jesus with some passion. All right, why? 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 Yeah, because of Jesus, we're rescued and transformed. And every time you give a story of the good of God in your life, it's because of Jesus. I don't have time to, 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 to do that all again. We did that on, on March 24th. Go back and get that. Because we're stepping into part two. And God's given us something of our what and how. And we're going we're gonna to unpack a bit of that today. And then part three will be the weekend after Easter. And we'll hit part three of this. But today, part two. God's asking us to to double down on some things he's been building in us. And those of us who are part of 12 Stone, this is pretty familiar to us. Meaning, the Spirit of God whispers in and breathes next a new vision. 
And when he does it, it's almost as if we've built the last layer. And, the, and then God says, and here's the next and the new layer. It's like, oh, we see now what God's been doing. And now we see it in a new light. And we get to go do the next and new thing. And God's been doing this for years. God was doing it before the church ever started. Because God put a call on my life when I was just a, a kid, 16 years old. Some of you know that story. I wanted to be an attorney, but I had this growing sense that I should be a pastor. I don't know how you figure that out. I was just a kid, 16. And, and on November 13th, that evening, I was reading scripture and I was praying. I said, oh God, if, if, if you want me to be a pastor, would you show me? Now, I don't recommend what I'm about to illustrate, but, but it's how it happened. God was gracious. I said, Lord, I don't know how somebody's supposed to know if they're to be a pastor, but it keeps welling up in me. If you want me to be a pastor, would you please tell me so I would unmistakably know? And if not, I'm going to go be an attorney. So I took the Bible, and this is the exact Bible, New American Standard Bible my mom gave me, and I, this is the Bible I do my devotions on. So I dropped the Bible, and right now I'm just going to mark it, but I literally dropped the Bible and said, wherever it opens, let it open. I'll put my finger. And if you say I'm supposed to be a pastor, I'll be a pastor. But I was kind of putting all the burden on Jesus. Again, I'm not encouraging you to go home. Oh, does God want me to buy the new house? Yes. <laughs> and no, if it's no, I know what some of us will do. Try it again. <laughs> this isn't shake the eight ball. Yes, you will be. So uh, truly it happened this way. And so the scripture opened, I put my finger down and this is literally where my finger was. But you will be called the priest of the Lord. You will be spoken of as ministers of our God. Freaked me out. I mean, I didn't even know how that happens. But, but the spirit of God confirmed in me. It's from Isaiah chapter 61. And I signed November 13th, 1977 at 10.55 p.m. And, and this Bible sits in my office. Just, it's just this, this settling of a call. Because listen, when you get a call of God on your life, you know you're joining God for the thing he desires to do. And, and, that's, and that's what we get to, that's what we've been doing. It's what we get to do next together. God's got a call on us. And there are things for us to learn from Isaiah chapter 61. Eventually, I'm going to talk about the, the three things God's asking us to do to double down on. But, but let's sit in Isaiah for a moment. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. That's where it begins. And literally, I want you to hear what, what it translates for us today is it's to us to join him in kingdom work. And if you're wondering, like, do I jot something down? Sure. The point is this. We have great times together as his family. In other words, it's together. It's what everybody? It's, it's what? Together. God doesn't just send us and we're on our own. God does this with us. It's together with God. That's why we have great stories and great times. That's what families get to do. And, and the church family is the extended family of God. We're all part of a family. Brothers and sisters in Christ. It's really quite spectacular. Just like we have our nuclear family. I mean, our family gets together. We, we, we have a little tradition, uh, whoever's birthday it is, and the family's been growing. You know, we have four kids. We've added a couple through marriage. We've got three grandchildren now. It's getting a little more challenging to get together for dinners and everybody's birthday, but it's fun. And then we have story time. And, and, and story time, that person, whoever, whoever's birthday it is, they're kind of the center of the story, but we tell stories about them. And in other words, we're looking back on old stories and we're enjoying the present, but it just, just gives inspiration to the future. Like one of the stories I could tell uh, is the day uh, I, I ran 16 and a half miles. Kind of blows your mind, doesn't it? I mean, you look at me and you think he, he couldn't do that. You don't believe me. So listen, on my Apple phone, on my Apple watch, I have it recorded. 
You ready? Here, this is my watch. 14.08 miles uh, outdoor run, uh, 500 calories elliptical, which was two and a half miles. Total, I did 28,756 steps, 16.46 miles. I'm telling you what, I have it recorded so you all can't harass me and say, oh, that didn't happen. Yes, it did. <laughs> and I like to brag about it. Now, there are some minor details you might want to know. One of them is that Marsha's watch that day was broke. <laughs> it was acting up. And I said, well, you can use mine. <laughs> and she said, well, I'm just going to go do a little run. And when she got back, I had 14 miles. What? what what's a, a little run is a mile. I don't even know what a little run. We're going to do a little run. She comes back, 14 miles. This ticks me off. Then later that night, I did my little workout, two and a half miles on elliptical, but on my watch, it says 16 and a half miles, and I'm taking credit for the whole thing because it's on my watch. Uh, we have all kinds of fun with family stories. Hey, we have church family stories. We have an old favorite church family story that we look back on the kindness and the faithfulness of God we enjoy in the present and gives us inspiration and faith for the future. It's, it's the Edwards property story. Anytime I get a chance to tell it, I will tell it because it's old and awesome and it's inspiring. See, we were at Collins Hill building and we were multiple services, didn't know what we were going to do next, needed property, had, had no money, and God kind of put the property on Highway 20. Calvin Davis Circle, and I, I eventually met the man who owned it, Doug Edwards, and, 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 and I sat down with Doug after a few meetings and said, oh, your place would be perfect for a church. He said, you know, you're right. Right up on the hill, that'd be beautiful. He said, but you couldn't afford it. I said, I didn't say I wanted to pay for it. He thought it'd be a great place for a church. I said, Doug, can I walk on your land and pray? And over, over weeks, he said, yeah, go ahead. And that was a mistake on Doug's part. As I started to pray, oh, dear God, put it on Doug to give the land for the sake of your kingdom to reach and change and transform lives. And I'm doing this all the day, every week, walking on his land. And, 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 and eventually, Doug says, I've come to a price. I want to meet with your elders. And before he came to the elders, I sat down. I said, listen, I just, in my spirit, I know. I just, if God's going to do something cool, I think Doug's going to walk in and just hand us the million-dollar property free and clear. Now, Doug doesn't go to this church. He goes to another church. They're just looking at me. One of the elders says... I had to learn how to do that. Does anybody, <laughs> does anybody want what the pastor's smoking? Now, we don't do that in board meetings. It's, just, it's not like a practice. But in other words, he said, the pastor's high. A couple weeks later, Doug sits down with the elder board. He says, listen, I know I don't go to this church, but the Spirit of God has told me that this is going to be one of the most influential churches in Gwinnett and this territory, and I want to be part of it. So he signed the deed and handed it over a million dollars. And I went, now anybody want what the pastor's smoking? And I'll tell you, it happened that way. It just, yeah, I don't even have to make it up. Now, now listen, listen, that when you join God, God makes things happen. Listen, God gives you 16 and a half mile visions and we start taking credit for it. But the truth is Jesus runs 14 miles of it. We're just doing two and a half. You get this, right? And we're all pretending we're doing something for the kingdom. But because the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us. And God, listen, church, I can give you those kinds of stories for every campus. I can take you to, to, to Hamilton Mill and how that launched. And the spirit of God did supernatural things for us to end up out there. And he's got next to new for that campus for us 
together and Flowery Branch. I know how that happened. I was there when God turned our attention. We were never going to Flowery Branch and he opened up a door and it was supernatural. It was powerful and God is breathing the next and the new and I know how Sugarloaf came into be. I was there the moment the spirit of God moved and shifted and somebody stepped up, put five million on the table and said, let's go do this thing for the kingdom of God. It's just supernatural and God has this next and new at Sugarloaf and I know how the five campuses and every campus has a story. See, I know how it happened at Brazelton, but I was involved 10 years ahead of time when God whispered, you come out here someday and how it orchestrated supernaturally. I know how God made that best buy happen over at Snellville and how they're there today and God's moving mightily and I, I, I know how Buford came together when everything went seemingly ugly but God had a bigger and a better plan and now Buford's over there together and they're in campus and, and God's doing cool stuff and by the way, God spoke into us and said go out to Bethlehem five years before we ever did it and he told us where the property should be and by the way, we've locked in that property and we're gonna build that's gonna be part of the next. I'm telling you, I got stories. We got stories as a church of the hand of God and when you go back and you look at the stories where the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon you, you enjoy the present, but you got hope for the future. See, that's what vision does. You'll have to pardon me. I'm getting a little, little, little fired up. I get into my quick speak. <laughs> Keep up if you can. See, because there's more to learn from Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He's sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to prisoners so that they will be called what, everybody? Oaks, which is what? Trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. Here's the point. We are like oak trees planted for his glory. In fact, here's just a little picture of an oak tree that, that all I'm saying is, is this is us. And you think, well, an oak tree? Yes, because the roots go down deep, the, the trunk grows up, and, and, and the branches grow. And, and, and what it means is it stands. Like God says, I'm going to enable you to stand for God's good. I'm going to enable you to withstand storms. In fact, listen, 18 years ago when, we were, when God was building 12 stone at that season of time, I used to get acorns and give them to all the new guests and say, God wants to plant you as an oak of righteousness for his kingdom. That's how deep this scripture in Isaiah was for us as a church. Isaiah goes on. Let's look at the next section. Then they will rebuild the ancient ruins. They will what? Rebuild the ancient what? Ruins. And they will Raise up the former devastations and they will repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. And instead of humiliation, they will shout for what? See, that's who we are. We're the people who shout for what? I couldn't tell by the way you said it. The people who shout for what? Well, yeah. Why? Because what was once ruined because of Jesus becomes something of joy. In other words, we are transformed from ruins to joy. It's who he is. It's what he does. Listen, I had no idea when I was 16 years old that the scripture from Isaiah 61 was actually the prophecy of the coming of Jesus. Yes, there's a lot in that scripture tied to Isaiah and the nation of Israel of the time. And, and matters of, of Babylonian captivity and, and desolation and ruins that occurred and the promise of a Messiah. There's a lot to study in that. But I didn't understand when I was 16 what happened in Luke 
chapter 4. Turn over to page 1030 if you want to. Grab a worship center Bible on page 1030. And here we find in Luke chapter 4 the significance of Isaiah 61. On page 1030, or if you're on a mobile device, Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 14. If you're here at the worship center Bible, right underneath your chair, you picked one up. It's on page 1030. And this is so profound. It says in verse 14, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And the power of who? Say it again. The power of who? Oh, yeah, and the power of the Spirit. What you need to know, if you go back, the previous scripture is in chapter 3, verse 21. It talks about his baptism and how the Father's voice spoke from heaven and broke through the heavens and spoke, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And, and the Spirit of God descended on Jesus uh, in physical form like a dove. Now this power of the Spirit of God is upon him. Oh, that sounds familiar. So the scripture says, Jesus returned in Galilee to Galilee and the power of the Spirit. News about him spread. He was teaching, verse 15, in their synagogue, and everyone praised him. Then he went to Nazareth, his hometown, and they gave him a scroll, and he read from Isaiah 61. Look, there it is. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He closed the scroll and said, this is now happening right here in your hearing. In other words, I am the Messiah. By the way, when you say Jesus Christ, Christ is not his last name. Christ is a title. It means Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus, the anointed. It's tied to Isaiah 61 and Luke chapter 4. And listen, listen. And because the Spirit of God came on Jesus and he did ministry in the Spirit, he then died, rose, went to heaven. We'll celebrate Easter next weekend. And he sent the Holy Spirit. And then he prayed, as the Father sent me, so now I send you. In other words, the mission of Jesus is now our mission. And the Spirit of God that was on Jesus is the Spirit of God that is on us. And we've all been called to the same work. That's who the church is. I mean, we got to rise up to who we've been called to be. In other words, if we go back to that tree kind of idea that we are a planting for the Lord, check this out. We are this tree, this oak of righteousness, and it's because of Jesus. I mean, just carved right here, just carved like at the trunk of the tree is what? Because of Jesus. And God's telling us there are three things that are going to be the expression of transformation. Look at them. In fact, say transform with me. Say the word. What is it? Transform. We're going to transform families, transform souls, transform communities. We're going to talk about that for the remainder of time today. But today we're only going to talk about transform families. That's all we got time for. And then the weekend after Easter, we're going to talk about transform souls, transform communities. But listen, this is all by the power of the Spirit. So it is what? Rooted in prayer. Rooted in what? Sure. There are three distinct things, the what and the how, sit in transform families, transform souls, transform communities, and that's where we are. So we want to talk about transform families today. And I've asked Jason Berry and Miles Welch to join with me. Come on out here, guys. Give it up for them across campuses. Come on. These guys have been in the point leadership in helping 
discern and, and, and kind of get a sense of God's call upon us as a, as a church family. And, and we're going to kind of talk it through. And, and guys, let me just, as, as we get settled in here, let me just read what I, what I read on March 24th, okay? If you were here, you've heard this. But families are fractured. By God's created design, we are all f- from and part of a family. But families, where we learn about life and relationships, is often the place of broken relationships. And this can no longer be one of 50 things we do at 12 Stone. It's going to be one of three things we do. See, we're convinced that we have a distinct anointing and ordained calling to reclaim families. God has always had a vision of transforming marriages and families into healthy, whole, joyful relationships. Because of Jesus. It's possible to transform families, whether you're in a fractured marriage, divorce, remarried, blended family, single family, single dating. We're all knit by family, and families face great challenges, yet we could imagine a type of big, hairy, audacious prayer. God, would you reverse reverse the divorce rate in our community? Come on now. God can do stuff like now. Can we do that? No, 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 no. But, But because of Jesus, marriages and families can be transformed. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's who God is. It's what he does. So everybody say, hey, Jason. That's true across campuses too. Everybody say, hey, Miles. Guys, let's talk about it. Then we're going we're gonna to pick some of these elements of transforming families. We can't talk about everything, but we're going to illustrate kind of like the branches of the tree. If the main branches transform families, then you start to get some practical hows. And, and one of those is going to be in, in, in marriage. It's going to be what we call re-engage. So, so just jump right in. Let's talk about what is re-engage. Yeah, re-engage is one of my favorite things that we do at the church, if I'm going to be honest with you. The amount of stories, there's some woos in the crowd. Uh, that guy's happy about re-engage and his wife's smiling as well. That's a good thing. See, re-engage is a, it's a big investment, but it's a six-month investment in your marriage where you show up once a week. There's some large group portions, some small group portions, and we literally walk you through how do you build a healthy, Jesus Christ-centered marriage, and we literally help rebuild marriage from the ground up, whether your marriage is in the middle of a giant mess, which some of us won't raise our hands for that, but we quietly know, or whether it's in a place where it's like, man, I want to retool, I want to reinvest into my marriage, but it is perhaps the place where we see the most life-transforming stories come out of, but it's a six-month investment into your marriage, on the other side of which you will have a new marriage, and it's awesome. And we aren't saying, oh, go solve it in a weekend. That's silly. I wish that could happen, right? but no, it doesn't happen that way. Yeah, it didn't break down in a weekend. It does get solved in a weekend. And, and so we're going to take this seriously. God's saying double down on this. Absolutely. God's already put anointing on the church for this, and, and now there's going to kind of be this double down. And all of us know, by the way, how many years you've been married? Uh, 23 years. Man, you had that right on the mark. That was Don't impressive. <laughs> okay, you've already had time to think now, right? <laughs> so how many you my got? Shoe off to count. Uh, 13 years okay. of marriage. Okay, and, and uh, Marsh and I have... 36, 30, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah, Marsha, I have 100 years that that, that we've been married, so it's been awesome for the last 10. And and, and we all know what it means to have challenges in marriage and seasons. In fact, a couple weeks ago, I talked about Pete and Stephanie. If you were here on March 24th, I mentioned them, and I said we'd come back probably to their story. But when we talk about ruins and desolation from Isaiah 61, you know, they would say they're, well, if he's blunt, and he, and he, he is, Pete, Pete's got quite serious about it. He says, you know what? The first marriage got ruined. And now he's moved into a second marriage, and that's being ruined. It's like, what? what? The, 
is there any help? Is there any hope? And they got invited in. They got their faith on track, invited in to re-engage, and God transformed their soul, transformed their marriage. We asked Pete to talk about it a little bit. Listen in. If I'm being honest, I think it begins with me ready to move on. Just came out of a separation, uh, a divorce. We spent a lot of time by myself, hoping that that union would come back together, which it didn't. And then one night I was just sitting at home and I put up a profile and it was within a day or two, she responded to it with just a simple word, hi. And then from there, we were inseparable. We were together all the time if we weren't at work, if he wasn't with his children, which he made it very clear, my kids are my life, I'm going to be with my children. And it was hard. I, we wanted to, I wanted to get married. There was a part of me that was terrified. I didn't want to hurt her. I didn't want to hurt my kids. That was the beginning of where everything went really sideways. I needed to let my ex know about it. When we, I sent her an email explaining to you that we had gotten married. I remember I was in work the next day being told that I would never see my children again. Once that happened, it went straight to depression, straight to drinking. Did he make the right decision getting married? You know, should he have just gone off and lived somewhere and forgotten about me? And that way he would still have his children. So it started causing a lot of problems for us. He talked about suicide and, and we would talk and I really didn't know what was gonna happen. And so at that point, I started turning my life back over to God. Met Ryan once at church. And I said, Ryan, I'm having issues with my marriage. I don't know if you can help me or not. And he's like, what are you doing tomorrow? At the end of our conversation, he asked me, um, have you heard of Reengage? He explained it was a six-month investment in your marriage. Would you be willing to join this class to save your marriage. And then that's when I started really investing and really started digging deep and um, having our conversations with each other. And then I felt a shift. As the weeks went by, the fighting stopped. And there was one brief moment in the middle of the class to where we got in a big fight. I was dead set on, on, on us getting through this and us figuring it out. We just hadn't, still hadn't learned how to talk and mm -hmm. we still don't know how to talk. Yes, we, we we're do getting, better. We're getting we better. better, we're getting much better. We moved past it and we continued um, to work with each other and we had people from our group reach out to us. Our leaders reached out and helped us really work through what we were dealing with. I had to mentally change my thought process. I had to reprogram everything that I thought I knew about being a man and being a husband. But I think we both decided in this process that we can't do it unless we put God first. And I really feel like we've been through everything that we've been through in order to help others. Show them that, you know what, there's nothing that's too bad, that you guys were in love at some point and you got to where you are at some point. You, 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 can, you can get further, you can, you can finish this journey because a wedding isn't the day that you get married. It's not all the pomp and circumstance. It's everything that happens the day after for the rest of your life. Oh, man.
man, isn't that a great story? That's God can great. do. God can lift us up in our marriage, uh, no matter where we are. And Jay, this reengage is not just for you know marriages in crisis. Am I right? I mean, that's absolutely across the board. Yeah, whether your marriage is in crisis or whether you're just in a season where maybe you're in a transition, maybe you've just become an empty nester or you just started a new job or just had your first kid, it's a place where you can retool your marriage as well. And so let me, can I make an ask of the church? Yeah, let me, yeah, let's get to what do we let do. Let me ask. And so what, what do we do with this? Uh, first of all, maybe you're in the, in the camp of I, my marriage needs help. I want to jump into this or I want to I retool in my marriage. Great, you can jump online, 12 slash vision, and you can sign up for some re-engage groups that are launching in the summer and, and beyond. But listen, there is a group inside of 12 Stone that, that, that perhaps God's stirring your heart right now. And you heard that story and say, I want to be a part of seeing Jesus transform marriages. And if that's you, you, your marriage needs to be in a place where you've got some, some maturity, you've been through some things. You're not perfect, obviously, because... We wouldn't be up here if that was the case. Uh, you don't True. have to be perfect, but you have to be in a place where you say, I, I'm in a place where I wanna go back and invest in marriages. I wanna go be who I wish I had when my marriage was in a rough spot. And so we're looking for hundreds of couples to say, yeah. we want to go awesome. back and we want to see Jesus do stories like that and I wanna be a part of seeing that. And so we're looking for you to jump in and to serve and to be a part of that. Yeah. Just like that, uh, Brandon and Donna Kieber, who were the... Uh, Reengage leaders for the couple yes. we were just talking about. I think we have a picture of them. These are the leaders, and listen, God called them into ministry, as Kevin was saying in the message. They have a ministry, and God is using them in powerful ways, and we're looking for more. And they're not perfect. They're in the journey, but they're maybe a little bit down the road, and God is uh, maybe tapping on your shoulder to join them uh, in being reengage leaders. So part of what we believe, honestly, and we've been praying, is that we think this next season... The next two years of the vision is the launch. It'll impact us for the next five and beyond. But hear me, just as God called me to ministry, God's called you to ministry. And we're praying that you would wake up, you would hear the call of God. Many of you as couples are gonna get on 12stone.com vision and you're gonna have a sense in this day or in this week or in this season that God's put it on you to be a part of helping God transform marriages. All right, we can't stay there. We gotta keep going. It's not transforming families. Yes, marriages is huge, but it also moves in the life of students as another example. Talk to us about this next generation of students and, and some of the things we think God's put on our heart for that to unfold. Yeah, uh, student ministry is a huge part of this church, and it's, on, it's, it's at the center of our heart inside this church. We've always talked about the next generation. We, that's, that's not changing. That sits at the core of us, but what is changing is culture. And if, 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 you're, uh, if you're, your eyes are open, you look around, you see culture's not the same as it was 20 and 30 years ago. It's different. See, with the, with the sort of evolution of families and some of the breakdown inside of families, that's affecting students. The, with, with technology growing up and, and what's happened in technology in just 10 years yeah. is drastically changing how students interact with this world. And so what they're finding in, in Generation Z, which is the generation that our students are in, sort of uh, like 10, 12 years old through about 24 years old, which is our students here at 12 Stone, is that the outward signs of breakdown are getting better, which is interesting. Mm -hmm. Things like partying isn't happening as frequently. Now, there's still parties, there's drinking, but, but, but teen drinking and drug use is actually down. Teen pregnancy is actually down. Some of these things are awesome, and you're going, that's great. But the inward signs of breakdown are on the rise, which is concerning. You see that the rates of anxiety and depression are up. Between the years of 2017 and 2015, the rates of teens in the hospital because of suicidal thoughts or actions has doubled. Think about this. 
They're living in isolation because families are broken and technology gives you pseudo relationships and you feel connected and yet you're not connected. See, the inside stuff is still broken. And Jesus said this, you live from the inside out. And although we measure the outside and say, great, drinking's down, teen pregnancy's down, that's all. Those are great. I don't want those to change. But, but the inside stuff is as broken as ever. And we have got to reorient a student ministry mm-hmm. to address the current culture that our students are living inside of. You see, it's not the same culture as it was 30, 40 dark ages ago when you were in student ministry, what, Kevin. What, what, it's, what are we doing here? Was, what are we doing here? Student ministry was awesome back in the day. It was. It but was it had to be culturally cool. relevant. It's changed since you yep. were there, which was a little longer ago. And it's longer than you want to admit. You have kids Three, four going years into middle ago, school. Yeah. All right. So what are we going to do about it? Yeah, we, we have to reorient our student ministry um, because this stuff matters to us and it matters to God. And so we believe uh, we, we don't have the exact destination. We're working with your student pastors. We're in rooms. We're, we're digging through this stuff. But, but we believe that the direction of student ministry needs to, to create environments where they can belong, where they can grow, and where they can launch. See, belonging is at the core of everybody, if we're honest, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I want to belong to something. And, and, and typically, the first place you belong is family. But when family starts to break down and change and get a little bit interesting, and when, and when you feel like you belong online on a social media app, but you're not really belonging. And so what would it look like if perhaps in student ministry, we, we had once a month a family dinner? Literally round tables at all of our campuses, one ministry night a month where, where middle school students and high school students sit with an adult at a table, have dinner, and we model what family and belonging looks like. How was your day? Man, what, what, what are you wrestling through? Man, remember that guy who was picking on you a couple months ago? How's that going? How can I pray for you? I love you. You belong. What if, what if we created a, literally a family dinner inside of our student ministry once a month? And then what if in the gross sort of lane of this whole thing, what if we invested way more heavily in discipling our students into a biblical worldview? You see, they, they can hop on Google and find anything they want, but, but they're not having a biblical worldview built into the soul of who they are. And we want to see adults sitting down with six or eight middle school or high school boys and girls and start to pour in and really double down on, on, on pouring into them and building them up. And then lastly, launch. See, we believe our students are not just in preparation stage to do ministry. They are in the day today when they can be doing ministry. And there are 132,000 middle school and high school students just in reach of our camps. It's 132,000. That's crazy. And the staff pastors are not enough. But we believe that Jesus can transform students and we can launch our students back into their schools. And we want to see students leading their friends to Jesus in the school system. In fact, I want to give you a, can I give you a picture? Yeah, yeah, there, this is good. This was a couple weeks ago in our student ministry night of worship. All of our students gathered for night of worship and we got a chance to tell the story of Michelle and she was led to Jesus by a friend of hers that's in our student ministry in her high school bathroom. And I want you to see, yes, <laughs> I want you to see what it looks like when the next generation launches and lives for Jesus in their schools. Check this story out. I want to introduce you to Chelsea. Chelsea is that friend that led her friend to Christ in the bathroom at her high school. And the beauty of that moment is because Jesus did something in Chelsea's life, it affected her so deeply she had to share her faith. And this baptism is a testimony of that. So I'm going to pass the mic over to Chelsea. Chelsea, it's all you. Thanks. Okay. Hey, guys. 
I am incredibly proud of Michelle, and I'm so thankful to be a tiny, tiny, tiny part of a massive thing that God's doing. You never know how much your story could impact somebody else, and it's just insane to watch Michelle's story impact others, and I am so thankful to be your friend. I'm so proud of you and how much you've grown, and Michelle, I love you, and I'm so thankful for you. And so with all that, I have two questions for you. Michelle, have you trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? Yes. And do you commit to follow him all the days of your life? Yes. Well, then it is my privilege, and I'm so thankful that I get to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come on, church, cross the campuses. That's what it's about right there. Uh, so See, good. we don't want that to be an isolated incident. Right. We think that is what God has at the heart of our student ministry. That's what it should look like. And so let me make another request to the church. We are asking for people to say, I want to go back and be who I wish I had when I was in middle school or high school. Oh, that's right. good. Isn't that good? Oh, that's good. Think back when you were wrestling through the, the questions. Kids are asking massive questions. Why am I here? What, what, why, why, where did I come from? Why am I here? Those are questions that can't be asked in isolation. And so we need some grown people to come back and say, I'm going to invest in the next generation. I'm going to make five or six or seven high school boys. That's going to be my small group, but I'm going to invest deeply there. We need you to come back and be who you wish you had when you were in middle school and you were in high school. Right, right, right. And I, I want to talk to the empty nesters. My wife and I are empty nesters now for a couple years. And, and uh, I, I know you don't know what that's like. But I don't, because really I stay um, in every generation. Right. I just no, keep you're, having you're kids. 10 years older. I and stay relevant. 10 years older and still behind. Um, yeah. Anyways, um, <laughs> but uh, any, not a big deal. But I'm telling you, listen, uh, you empty nesters <laughs> that are listening to this, um, oh man, I, I encourage you to start thinking about getting involved in this. You know what it means uh, in your lives to give back to the next generation, and, and you know you have to find meaningful outlets to serve uh, uh, the community together. Because listen, uh, empty nesters, if you, if you make life all about yourself in those years, when you could give back so much, your life becomes really small, doesn't it? Your life can become really small. Yeah. And so we really want to uh, invite you in as well. That's right. And 12stone.com slash vision. And you know what, guys? Um, you know, we, I, I have a pretty good marriage. It's not perfect. Really grateful for our kids. Nobody's perfect. But there's a guy, Stephen Champa, who owns a business, busy beyond words, has his own kids, mm -hmm. and he's doing that. And my, my son, Jaden, is in his small group. Listen to me, church. I need Stephen Champa to step up. I truly do. I need another voice in the life of my son. I need a church family to be the positive encouragement to help him rise up as an oak of righteousness. Listen, God takes teenagers seriously because God sees the future, and these are the future families. This is the future kingdom of God being built right now. We need to step up as a church and pour into the next generation the kind of things we wish we had when we were, when we were in that stage of life. So God's saying transform families as a church, but God's stirring more than that in us. Let's, let's, get, let's jump into another one that you're heavily invested in. Let's talk about this whole special needs as a unique, distinct uh, kind of branch of this. Yeah, there are so many wonderful uh, families with special needs children, and uh, we're going to um, serve them. I just want to tell you a story of, of one of them, uh, Jonathan and Brittany Maloney. 
and they've been married about 10 years and struggled uh, with having children, eventually felt like God led them to adopt and to adopt uh, a young baby with um, Down syndrome. So they, they adopted Lennon, and then three years later adopted another young boy, Judah, who also have, had Down syndrome. This is a picture of their family. Um, yeah, they're precious, right? And, and uh, so, so uh, over the years, Lennon, their older boy, uh, developed some other issues that just made it really challenging at school, started to fall behind, and even made it challenging here at church. Um, to where he, he just could not, you know, his, the level of need escalated higher than what we do in our children's ministry on Sunday mornings. And so this family has not been able to sit together in a service, uh, husband and wife, since June 2017. And uh, we, we just, guys, we, we can't solve everything, but I think we can solve that for that family. And, and that's, what we, that's what we wanna do. So let me tell you what we feel like God is calling us to do uh, at our central campus, 1 p.m. service, uh, we're gonna launch, uh, coming maybe in the fall, we're gonna launch a childcare uh, for special needs families uh, so that they can come uh, to the service and attend uh, service together. And this is gonna be for uh, uh, high-functioning families, high-functioning environment, six weeks old through high school, through 12th grade uh, for families. And this is just gonna be a cool way to serve. Isn't that awesome? Oh, man. We're gonna help, these families need some help. We're gonna help them. We're gonna see families find Jesus because we're providing a place for them. And, and one of the ways you know God is in this is he brings awesome people around. Uh, and uh, God has been doing that. I wanna introduce you to Jenna Perry. Jenna, uh, I had a chance to interview her uh, this week. And I wanna, want you to listen into the interview and hear her heart for what we're doing. Hey, I'm sitting here with uh, Jenna Perry. Jenna's gonna be helping us launch our ministry to special needs Family. So Jenna, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, your history at 12 Stone Church? All right, so I've been here at 12 Stone for 10 years. Um, started visiting back in 2008. In that same year, I took my first teaching job um, in special education. My husband and I have enjoyed growing our family here. We have two kids, um, Annie, who is four, Austin, who is two. And we just love all that 12 Stone has to offer. And our hearts have just been uh, growing so much since we've been here. Now tell us uh, about what we're thinking of doing here at the church. All right, so I'm very excited. Um, so for years, uh, this is, I would say, a decade of answered prayer for me. Uh, the church is looking to provide childcare for uh, special needs families, children and students, um, so that these families, these parents, these caregivers, these grandparents, they can sit in the service, hear about the love of God, um, be able to attend knowing that their kids are in childcare, taken care of, loved on, prayed over, um, having a blast in that setting. So, um, you know, it will look like more of a higher functioning environment for them um, where we can hopefully participate in all the things that um, the children's ministry will be doing in students' ministry. So we're super excited about that and really looking forward to loving on these families. And tell us why uh, that's so important to you and why you think this is gonna be so helpful to these families. Through my experience just in the classroom and um, investing in these families over time, I've seen isolation and hardship. And I feel like what they need is to feel comfortable, to feel loved on. And I think this is super important because I've been able to see that their hardships are unlike ours, and they need to hear about the love of God and witness and experience that. Um, Gwinnett alone has over 22,000 special needs students currently in Gwinnett County Public Schools, and that's incredible. So 
um, the opportunity to get to serve some of these families, we can make such an impact. That's awesome. Now, as we think about launching this, um, who do you hope rallies around uh, this cause and what kind of people maybe we have at the church do you hope just begin to dive right in and get involved? Um, everyone, no, <laughs> I, um, I feel like it just takes a soft heart. Um, you know, we have amazing volunteers here and I know that people, I mean, even hearing this conversation, it might be sitting there excited that um, we're diving into this. And so my encouragement would be that really just anyone who wants to love on this population and knows the blessing that will come from pouring into them. I mean, the reward is so great. That's really with anything that we volunteer with, but it's just a phenomenal opportunity. And I think um, the students will be blessed. That's so cool. Well, Jen, I pray that this ministry has great favor and we pray for you as you uh, get yes, it started. Thank you. We're excited. Isn't that great? Cool stuff. Excited about that. Yeah, cool stuff, church. That's right. Listen, let me tell you what, what uh, we need uh, for that. We need maybe 100, 150, maybe a few more of us to dive in uh, and commit to serving. You can do that uh, same uh, place, 12stone.com slash vision. If you have a background serving in that community, maybe, maybe you do some kind of uh, care or teaching in the special needs community, maybe God wants to use uh, your skill set to help new families find Jesus because they can sit in the service and we're gonna take good care of their kids. So that's gonna be a big thing for us. Church, God is calling us to transform families. Can you get behind that? Can we join God and saying, yay, God, let's go do that. These are some of the hows that we're gonna go after. So you go to twelvestone.com slash vision and you're gonna not only see what we've talked about, and how you can join in this, because listen, I have a call to ministry, but we all have a call to ministry. Part of the wake-up of this new vision is, is that you have been called. So jump in on it, and you'll be transformed in the process. Now, after Easter, we're going to pick up and talk about transforming souls and transforming communities. I can give you an example of just how it happens in the moment, for example, transforming communities. Some of you are paying attention, and you're aware that, that three churches... Three historical black churches have been burned down in Louisiana, and that breaks our heart. And, and, and it's just uh, people doing stuff that is just so off track. But you know what? The, the Church of Jesus Christ is not alone. And so they're raising funds broadly across the church, and 12 Stone's going to jump in, and we're going to contribute. We're going to help make it happen and put those churches back on the map and watch the kingdom rise up and do what we were created to do. See, we help transform communities. We'll talk about stuff like that in a couple of weeks. Transform souls. We'll see that happen next weekend. In fact, look at the bottom of your teaching notes, and then I'll hand it to the campus pastors. I put as a closing prayer, God celebrating Easter with family will be a great time. Would you add to the great time by helping me bring fill in the blank, the people you're inviting, into the experience and into your kingdom? Who might that the highest would I was lost, but he brought me in his love for his love for Yeah. 
the place. 